Good morning, Chair City Church. So glad you joined us today. Third week of two services. It's going so well. Today we're going to kick off a new teaching series called Running with the Giants. This is a great series. We'll go several weeks out. I just encourage you to just, to just keep coming. It's going to be one gem after another gem after another gem. Today I want to jump in into a Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, you know, we'll have the words up on the screen. And this scripture, it's a foundational verse for the entire series. It says, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So we see that word, therefore, and it's telling us that what we're reading is a continuation of prior thoughts in the previous chapter, chapter 11 for some of you who might need that, and you can laugh. So, some of you do. So what we're do, saying therefore, meaning prior to reading 12, chapter 12, verse 1, the, the writer here is sharing some meaningful, significant things in chapter 11. And we call chapter 11, those who are familiar with the scripture, kind of that the great heroes of faith chapter, the chapter of faith, the, the faith hall of fame of the Bible. And in that chapter 11, we read about people who lived out their lives in a phenomenal way. They ran their race, they finished the race, they won to God be the glory. I encourage you when you go home this week along the way to read chapter 11. And then it goes right into chapter 12, and it tells us that these people, these witnesses, meaning they came before us, they carried a torch. It, it, it's not so much that, you know, picture, if you will, that you're on the field and there's this crowd of people in the stands, and it's not so much that they're cheering you on, it's that you're there and you're witnessing them. You, we are privileged to know what they did and how they lived their lives, what they experienced yesterday, then, and how we can now apply that to our lives today. Now, there's a, a man named John Maxwell. He wrote a book called Running with the Giants. We're basing this, this series is based on that topic, on that theme. And John said, you know, he said, imagine if you're, you are on that field and, and these stands are filled with these people of great faith. And you hear them, you know, they're cheering and they're yelling. You can't hear what they're saying. You think it must be something great. These heroes of the faith, so imagine if one of them could come down, each one of them, one could come down and like run a lap with you, you know, come alongside you. And, and if they could speak from their experience, from their life, on they, how they ran that race, what was so important to them, imagine if they could speak that into your life. Well, that's what this series is about. Each week we are taking a character from the Bible, a person, some men, some women, and it's going to be as if they could come alongside us today and say, hey, I ran that race, I finished that race, I lived out the faith in a wonderful way. Here's the one thing I would share with you. Today we're looking at the prophet Isaiah. See, the book of Isaiah, the, the Bible is the Old Testament, the New Testament. The Old Testament is the creation of the world right up to before Jesus was born. And in there, there's this book of Isaiah, it's 66 chapters. It's the largest prophetic book. What's interesting about Isaiah is that he saw Jesus. He saw the glory of the Lord. Only prophet to experience this. Now, last week we read from Isaiah 53 and how 700 years before the crucifixion, which was a fact, it's a historical fact, Isaiah 
and prophesying in detail lays out how Jesus will be crucified and even some of the events surrounding the crucifixion. So the prophet, you see, the, a prophet was also called a seer, meaning someone who sees what others can't. God would say, they can't see that, so tell them this. I, and the, the, the goal of today's message is that you will see your spiritual journey a lot clearer. That after today, you can hear from God in a greater way. You can hear God telling you the way to go. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21 says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So listen, no matter where you are in life right now, no matter what your life looks like right now, God can and will speak to you. You can hear from God. You need to hear from God. You want to hear from God. Your husband wants you to hear from God. Your wife wants you to hear from God. Your children need you to hear from God today. And God wants you and so desires that you would hear his voice today, that voice telling you the way to go. And today you can have a moment of clarity. It's a beautiful word, clarity, isn't it? Today you can have less confusion in your life. We spoke about confusion last week and how it can bring pain, emotional pain, and, and even the physical pain comes into the picture. And physical pain brings confusion as well. And we ask, you know, what we begin to ask the whys. And we said last week, you know, we're not, not, it's not like these aren't delicate, simple whys. Why, why this, why that, that happens. Last week I talked out a few light ones, right? Nobody la laughed last week, so I thought I'd try it again. I don't know if I'll get any more laughter, but like why, if the number two pencil is the most popular pencil, why is it the number two pencil? Shouldn't it be the number one pencil, right? Why, being from New York City, why do people pay so much money to go to top of buildings only then to look down through binoculars at what's going on down on the sidewalks, right? Down below. And why do Red Sox fans go why the Red Sox? Yeah, I'm not, not going to slap you and slander you. Okay, I know. You are in first place. That's true. I got that. I got that. I'm getting the emails and the texts and all that stuff. So why, uh, so why do Red Sox fans sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game when they're already at the ball game? You know? We know why the Irish Red Sox fans are singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game when they're already We go after Irish people today. Winchester people last week, Irish people today, French Canadians next week. Listen. Look, <laughs> we got these questions in life. And here's what I think Isaiah would say to you. He, as you're trudging through life, as you're trying to make sense of it, if he came out of the stands and came alongside you, running on that track, the first thing he'd say is, hey, here's what it is. Here's what's most important. An encounter with God changes everything. An encounter with God changes everything. Many of you want that, but you're going about it the wrong way. Isaiah teaches us a way to encounter God. Remember, he's a seer. He sees. He sees what we cannot see, but what God wants us to see. And if we have an encounter with God, Isaiah wants us to know our greatest pain can be a catalyst for our greatest gain. 
We talked about these. We've been going here each week a little bit. That God speaks. He, he reserves those times when we're in our deepest pain to speak to us. And it's important to know this. Very important. Because most people, when difficulty comes upon them, pain comes upon them, they don't run to God. They run away from God. And I see this. Sure, it's subconscious maybe. But it's like, okay, you know, yeah, I was with God and I knew God and I've kicked this God thing around and I believe in God. But here comes that difficult situation, that, that uncertain situation. And, you know, I'm going to kind of shelve the God thing. It's not that I don't believe in God, but I'm just going to like kind of, it's a sidelight right now. I've got to take, I got to take a hold of this. I got to carry this through. I got to see myself through this. I got to see my family through this. And what we're doing is we're running from God. We really are. Rather than running to God, next time that pain, that uncertainty, that difficulty comes on you, run to God. No matter what it is, don't try and fix it apart from God. He's a redemptive God. He's an almighty God. He's a powerful God. He's a faithful God. He's a loving God. Go to God first and foremost within your heart. Turn to him. And that's what Isaiah does. And we see that in Isaiah chapter 6, towards the beginning of the book. It says, in that year, King Uzziah died. So let's just stop right there. Chapter 6, verse 1. So that would be like saying, in that year, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. I mean, it was, it was troubling, very troubling to the nation of Israel. They, king Uzziah was a beloved king, a, a very godly king. Towards the end, he, he messed up a bit, but the people cherished him. Loved God, loved the people, and now he's dying. And not only are people troubled and confused, but so is Isaiah. It's a dark time. Verse 1 continues, Isaiah writes, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him was seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two wings they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds, meaning that the foundations of the temple, the foundations of Isaiah, of if the nation of Israel are the foundations of ourselves, shook and the temple was filled with smoke. When God speaks, it is intended to reach our inner being, to cultivate our inner being, to rattle, to shake, to unsettle, to stir, to cultivate all of ourselves. Know that in your most darkest, deepest, confused, painful time, you, will, you do not need and you should not run from God, but run to God that you might live and live abundantly. Two and a half years ago, I received an email from a woman that had been attending. She came in on Easter. She came in on Easter, I don't know, about maybe four years ago, I think. She had come in every Easter. I always say every Easter we'll see, we see a lot of people come in, and we'll always see a handful of people stay, and we see changed lives. We see it on other Sundays, but it kind of sticks in my head about Easter. I'll be like, oh, that one came on that Easter, and that one came on that Easter. So she writes me the email, and I want to read to you what she says. She says, I have to say thank you for all that you and your family do. Coming to Chair City Church has saved my life. Let me just stop right there. How cool is that, huh? Coming to Chair City Church has saved my life. 
how wonderful that is to hear that. I like, I like, I like opening up an email and reading that. Huh? I have started to live again, she writes. It gets better, huh? I had just been existing for 10 years. I had just been existing for 10 years. I'm so glad I've come to our church. It has such an amazing and welcoming environment. Wow. I mean, come on. I was just existing. My life's been saved. I'm now living, huh? So that was two and a half years ago. Yesterday, a Saturday, this entire auditorium was cleared out. All the chairs were up on the stage. The entire building, most of the rooms had been, everything had the contents taken out of them for the most part. And what we were doing was Chair City Church was hosting a, uh, an event held by Calm Passion. Calm Passion is an organization that works with children who have developmental problems. I believe substantially, if not primarily, children who are, have autism and are different degrees of autism, what they call their on the spectrum in different places. Uh, we've gone out and helped them out in the community here or there, but they had never done such a large event. And we offered our building. We said, you know, that's a great place. Why don't you come in here and do the convention in here? And it was phenomenal. We are volunteers, our volunteers who serve. Come on, come on. Got here at 8 o'clock in the morning. They were here till 6 o'clock at night. We serve, we serve, we serve. We serve our community. We serve the GCAC. We serve hope. We come alongside people who are doing meaningful things in the community that are helping people that are assets. And, you know, we don't have to own it. We just got to make it better, right? That's what we want to do. And, you know, there were hundreds from all over New England, hundreds and hundreds of people came through this building. And, and they had, it was such an incredible day. You, if you were here, you moved. I, I'm not adding an ounce of exaggeration here. I was in the front one time. Uh, Gina was out there by the door, come to church a few months ago, maybe three or four months. She started coming here, and she jumped right in to volunteer out at that door. And she said, I, I, I just didn't think it would be this enjoyable, she said. Uh, what I'm hearing people say, it's just so wonderful. I mean, like, moms and dads are like, this is awesome. And as she's saying that, a woman comes out with her, with her children, and she says, that was just awesome. It was so wonderful. And we, we look and we laugh. She says, thank you. And then, like, I mean, not even a minute later, here comes this boy and his mom and his dad, and he's, like, 10 feet behind him, kind of, you know, skipping, doing his thing. And he stops at the doorway, and he looks back, and he's like, I could just stay here forever, he says. I could just stay here forever. Wow. What a wonderful day. Okay. Calm Passion is founded, run by a man named Adam Wilson. Adam Wilson is Lynn's husband. Lynn's the woman that wrote that email to me. So two and a half years ago, Lynn comes into Chair City Church. She begins, she gets, she has this moment with God. She begins to follow God. Huh? She has an encounter with God eventually. Changes her life. Adam's not coming to church. <laughs> Over the coming months and even years, Adam starts coming to church and he begins to grow in his faith in God. And he begins to see that there's a mortal life. And, and, and he was also in a very difficult place. They both were. So to go from that email and that time of life, 10 years of just existing, of pain, of confusion, huh? To yesterday, 
being used by God to touch people's lives in such a meaningful way, in a special way, to God be the glory, right? This is because Lynn ran to God. See, when we run from God, we exist in confusion and doubt and darkness. We take control one step forward, two steps back. We're going in the same circle. Huh? That's running from God. But Lynn ran to God. I know she did, because I would see her. She'd be at every life. She'd be at life, not every, she'd be at life groups, meaning almost every session of life groups, she'd be in a life group. She'd be at prayer meetings. She'd be giving. She'd be serving. Whatever Lynn could do to get her hands on something to do with God, she did it. She ran to God, and she kept running to God, and God saved her life, right? We didn't, but God saved her life, and she no longer exists. She flourished, and that's what we do here. This is a core part of how we minister here. We want to see people's lives changed. So, and, and, and we could go on. I could stay up here literally for hours and go from one to another, one great story to another great story of people who've had their lives changed because they've ran to God. Now listen, you might be in a place of confusion today. There might be some doubt, some clouds. Don't run from God. Run to God so that you can have an encounter with God today. Today you can do that. You can encounter God. And that's really important because as Isaiah is running alongside of us, what we can learn from him and really what we can learn from his life is this. When we see God, when we encounter God, when we see God clearly, we see ourselves clearly. <laughs> okay, here we go. You see, God wants to do a deep work in you. He wants to do a work in the deepest part of your soul. And, you know, we're kind of inclined to push that, to, to kind of push back on that, to resist that. It's like, okay, I want to go to heaven, and God, I want you to do a great work in my life, and I want to kind of pull out of this depression. I want my marriage better. And I, but you know what? But, but I don't want to go there, right? <laughs> Let's not, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to kick that around. That's a mess. We just know. We just, we just, you know, the hand, it's not going to happen, right? Listen to what happens to Isaiah when he has this encounter with God. In Isaiah chapter 6, it's an incredible chapter in the Bible. He, see, Isaiah not only sees the darkness of the nation of Israel, the clouds, but when he has this encounter with God, he sees darkness within himself. Huh? This is good stuff now. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5 says, Isaiah, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I'm a sinner, man. This stuff going on me, that's not good. And, I, and God knows it. Now I know it. Now he's like, whoa, this isn't good. And I live amongst people who also have unclean lips. I'm messed up. They're messed up. I got sin. They got sin. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah sees his own condition. I want you to have an encounter with God. And you need to know that when you do have an encounter with God, when you really deeply know you're having an encounter with God, God is going to go there. God is going there. God desires to go there to your deepest, deepest part of who you are. Get close enough to God that the mask can come off, that the masquerade can come off, that you don't just have to dwell year after years and exist trying to meander your own way. 
have an encounter with God. Let God search your heart, the depths of your soul, that you can be honest and open before God, and you can know God, for God knows you, because that's intimacy, and God desires to have an intimate relationship with us. And the more you can be intimate with God and be known by God, the more you can be known by others and be honest and open and truthful with them. And that's intimacy. To know and to be known is intimacy. And you want that with you and your God, and you want that with you and your relationship, husband and wife. That's the core of intimacy in a marriage. I can be honest with myself and honest with God, and I can be honest with my spouse, and they can be honest with me. We don't have to just keep tolerating things and kicking things around because that erodes intimacy. Instead, we can be open and honest and share with one another, and we can increase intimacy, yes? Because this is what God desires in our relationship with him and one another, friends, he desires intimacy. And yes, yeah, sure. Spouse, there's physical intimacy. We want to keep that physical intimacy with our spouses, right? And I'm telling you, this will increase that as well. Being open and honest and have that clarity with God. When I was in um, Bible college, uh, we had to go to chapel every day. I'm not kidding you. Every single day for like two and a half hours. I mean, how much can you hear, right? So that tonation tells you I did not like going to chapel every single day. I thought it was excessive. And it was. That said, uh, and so I, I would get bored at times. I wouldn't look forward to not all of them. There were some I really liked and I, and I got a lot out of. And there was some that I just thought, well, we're filling up hours here. And uh, one, one uh, and my roommate knew that. And one time my roommate leaned over and he's, he kind of said to me, he was, he's a little distance. He said, hey, he said, he was Italian. He was from Sicily. He said, hey, watch this. And he gets up and he walks up to the front and he says, uh, like, it was like a child. I'm a Pierre. I, 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 I won't do the accent. I'm not good at it. He says, I'm Pierre. I'm Pierre Paolo. And um, a few years ago, uh, when I was serving in the church, my father's a pastor in Italy, um, I fornicated. I fornicated. And uh, I've just never come to terms with that. And uh, today I did. You know, today I ask God to forgive me. And uh, okay. And he went back to his seat. <laughs> 200 students. Gets right up in the front. About 20 seconds later, another student gets up, walks up to the front, boom, boom. For about an hour, one after the other, these students who are going out into ministry, all over, they come out. It was an incredible time, this time of clarity. You could feel the comfort. You could feel the peace as individually these people were just having this moment of being right before God, not what the people thought they had to be. Just, they were just clear and right before God. They were seeing themselves clearly. When you see yourself clearly, God will do a great work in you. It's a core method of how we do ministry here. We want God to use us to help you see God clearly, to help you see yourself clearly so that every day and every way you can get better and better. Now, all of us, many people have traveled down this road here at Chair City Community Church. Some are traveling. We're like Connor. We always have this mixture. It's an ongoing process, but I just so encourage you not to get stuck, not to stay stuck in your past. And this is what we see. People get stuck in their past. They get stuck then, and they don't move forward. And, it, and, and what the obstacle is, not seeing God clearly, not seeing themselves clearly. You don't want to get stuck. You want to move forward. And that's what Isaiah is teaching here, is that when you have an encounter with God, God removes our past so he can redeem our future. And you got to take a hold of that. 
God will redeem your past. He will, I, as we say here, God doesn't waste any of our pain, right? God will take your past to redeem your future. Some of you are stuck because you've not heard this. You, you, you've really not embraced that God is a redemptive God. You're, you're not living your way to know the fullness of God's redemption. And there's some serious implications in what I just said there. And it's because you're stuck in your past. You've been touched. You've had some really good moments with God here and there, you know. And you're thinking, ah, what's, ne what's next is you move forward. What's next is God has something great for you, and that greatness is the fullness of his redemption in your life and in your future. So, move forward. Listen to what Isaiah is saying. And often you do, people do, don't do this. They don't move forward because they have the wrong picture of God. They, they just don't understand or can see God in all his fullness. They, they, they just don't get how powerful the smallest things are when it comes to God. How when we step out to trust God, he's going to weave together all of that we are and all that we do to bring this beautiful thing to pass, right? So that story I told you, that, that's a touching story, right? A woman who's steeped 10 years. I mean, some of you have lived that. Waking up day after day, 365 days a year, 247, I'm just existing in my marriage, in my life, in my job, trying to be a mom, right? And then it changes. It's a, it's a great story, right? You know when that story began? It began in my living room, on the floor. And I'll share this with my children later on today, because my, my kids were here serving, with huge on kids serving. So if you have kids and they're 10 or older, protect them from us. We are huge on serving. It's a great way for kids to build their faith. They serve in a nursery. They serve in preschool. They serve right here. They hand it, they're, they're out there doing lights. We are huge on kids being ministered to by them serving and being involved here. And so I'm going to tell them, hey, now they were here yesterday, and they got to see firsthand what a wonderful day it was and the lives that were touched and, the, and, and people's, what the people were saying, response from people. Well, I'm going to say, do you remember, uh, you know, a few years back or four years back when we were doing the mailer? Yeah. Do, do you remember when we, I, I had to go back and forth like three times to the post office because we had to send out 8,000 cards to people's homes for Easter? And uh, I just couldn't get the directions right because that's me. And remember we had like 8,000 mailers, postcards laid out on our living room floor and, and we had to like put it in each postal route. We had to get a piece of paper, fill it out, say the number of the route, say how many houses were in the route. Then we had to put it the right way and then we had to wrap it, rub, rubber bands a particular way and put it in a certain box and all that. Do you remember when you were doing that? And you were like, oh yeah, I remember. And I kept getting it wrong and I'm like, you know, one of those cards went to Lynn Wilson. She got it. She got it in the mail, and she looked at it, and she said, you know, my mother-in-law came over and said, you know, it's Easter, and I know she likes to go to church sometimes, and I said, well, why don't we go to, I had never been, I haven't been to church in a long time, let's go to church this Easter, let's go to this church that I got the card from, let's check it out. <laughs> and that began Lynn's journey, her spiritual journey. Amazing, right? 
that they were an instrument in the hand of God. You see how it works? You see how powerful it is? You see that you're trying to fix it. You're trying to put it together. And God knows. He knows the redemption power that he has for your future. He wants to, you to be an instrument in his hand. In his hand is nothing that you do that's meaningless when you have the encounter with God, when you run to God rather than run away from him. In the midst of whatever's going on, when you run to God, he begins to weave it together. Lynn never thought that they would come. My kids were sitting there on the living room floor. Did they have any idea that four years later, they'd be in this building seeing hundreds of people who were struggling with different developmental problems be blessed and have a day of happiness and gladness and joy and fun because of what they were doing? But that's God's economy. That's God's plan. And you need to just all in on that one. No, God doesn't waste your pain. He's got a plan for your future. It's a powerful one. Listen to what Isaiah say, says in chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. He says, then, the one, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See? So the angel flies over the altar, grabs some coals, and he uses it to remove guilt and sin from Isaiah. The altar for you and for us, for me, is the cross of Jesus Christ. The coal is the shed blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. You need to know that. You need to believe that, that a way has been made for you, that God loved you so much that he gave his son, that his blood was shed on the cross, that you would be in a position to have that encounter with him. It's happened. It's been done. And what you need to do is to submit to that. You want to submit and yield to that truth. You want to submit to the cross. You want to submit to the mighty hand of God. It says in 1 Peter 5, 6, if you submit yourself to the mighty hand of God, he will raise you up. You will have moments of gladness, of joy, of, of, of realization of God's faithfulness. I can't wait to see my kid's face tonight when they're like, wow, you know, that mailer to that boy having that moment to, to Lynn, and that's incredible. I mean, I, I could teach them, uh, and I do teach them scripture, and I do teach them so many things, and we do all that we can to weave the things of God in their life, but that's it, baby, right? I mean, that's going to stay with them for a long time, huh? Run to God. Serve God. Give your life to God. And not the way you think you're going to put it together. Not the way you're going to control it. Not the way you're going to map it out. Not what you think. But you submitted to the one true almighty God who the moment that you yield to him and trust him and say, here am I, God. Send me that moment. It all changes. And I'm jumping ahead of myself. Listen, you just got to get unstuck. You gotta let the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse your heart and mind. Listen what it says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. It says, Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds, so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sin. See, having an encounter with God changes the way you feel about yourself. It changes the way you think about yourself. Your conscience is cleansed because of what Jesus did. Your heart is cleansed. 
new beginnings. You know why God is changing you from the inside out? Well, listen to what Isaiah says in chapter 6, verse 8. He says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Isaiah saying, Here am I, send me. God looks at Isaiah and says, You know what? I see something's happening. I see your heart changing. Look what's, ha look what's happening here. Just a few minutes ago, a few moments ago, Isaiah is saying, Whoa, I am an unclean man. I am screwed up. I am messed up. I got issues. I got problems. I'm a sinner, and here God looks at him and says, you're a champion. I can use you. I see a runner. I see someone who's going to finish the race. God asks, who can I use? And Isaiah, having an encounter with God, is no longer thinking of his past, but he's thinking of how God could use him, how he's going to move forward. Here, I can do this. Here am I, send me. Look how things are changing for Isaiah because he had an encounter with God. He ran to God. He did not run away from God when he realized he's before the almighty God and God can see him clearly and because of that, he can see himself clearly. When you have that encounter with God, know God wants to go there. Yeah, there. God wants to go there. He wants to touch the deepest part of your life. He wants to touch the depth of your soul and he wants to rescue you. God wants to rescue you from just existing, from mediocrity, from unnecessary pains. Listen, you will never experience God. I'm not, this, this is not a hyperbole statement, if I said that right. You will never experience God unless you encounter God in your deepest being. He changes your yesterday so that you can have a glorious future. And he does have a glorious future for you. The most glorious part of that is eternity. When we get to live in eternity with our heavenly Father. All right, so we can move towards the end here. So Isaiah is running alongside of us. We're, we're just kind of getting to the end of that lap. Appreciate your patience with the creativity here. And before he leaves us, he wants to say a few more things to us a few words of encouragement, and the first is this, God wants to reveal himself to you. Yeah, listen up, this is for everyone. This isn't just for the guy who, people are struggling with this or that in their life, or addiction, or person who's living a little dysfunctionally, or in, in certain areas of their life. And no, 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 God wants to reveal more of himself to me today, to you. I've never given up on this. God have mercy that I never come to the place that I think God does not want to reveal more of himself to me. I want to hear more of God. The people who are running the AVL, they want to hear less of me and more of God, right? God wants to reveal himself to them, to me, to you, to all of us. Here's the danger in really not embracing that, is the more you stay apart from that way of thinking, the more you are in danger of self-sufficiency. And that is a cancer to the Christian faith. Self-sufficiency. I got it. I'm okay. I mean, I'm, I'm a sinner, but I'm just like not that sinning. Or, I, well, you know, I, I'm just not a slave to that sin, you know. Uh, or, you know, uh, you know I, 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 I'm doing better. I'm doing so. I, I'm okay, right? You know what happens with that? We become self-sufficient. We got it. We don't need God. And then we start doing things in a very measured way, right? 
And it's what? It's us. We're taking control slowly. I mean, hey, the outcome is good. Things are going well, so hey, God is good. God is not God in your life. God is not speaking to the depths of your soul. God has more to reveal to you, to speak to you, and you might not be listening. And all that's important because Isaiah would remind you that God wants to change you. He loves you so much, he does not want to leave you where you are. No matter how you're doing, God wants to change you. He wants you to be more like Jesus. This change ahead, this church, I always say, if you're in it, we change, man, we change. Because God is a God of change and a God of transformation and a God of revelation. Hear me out, God wants to change you for the glorious, for the better, for the life to live, to have an encounter with him. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. He says, come now, let's settle this. That's it. right there, you got me. I'm a New Yorker. I just, I like being, just, let's, let's just settle this right now, okay? Let's get to the point. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Listen, let's settle this. I am God. I love you. I've given myself for you, and I am going to change your life. This is how this works. I gave my son that your sins would be forgiven, not that you'd feel better, not just that you'd come out of depression, not that we'd fix some things in your marriage. No, I did this so that you would be changed and changed and changed and changed forever all the way to eternity, that I would glorify myself in you, that it wouldn't be anything that would be mediocre, that people would look at you and say, you did this, but they would have to say, there had to be a God, and he has done a great work in you. Do you get me? And everybody said, yes. Okay? Listen, come today, let God rescue you. Run your race today. Encounter God. Take that next step. That step, next step today could be turning your life over to Jesus, meaning just, God, I need you. God, I'm here. Jesus, I, I, I want you. I'm going to follow you. That next step could be being baptized in water. That next step could be serving and jumping in today to serve. That next step could be going to next step next week. On, at 10.30 and hearing about the church and the cultures and the visions and the opportunities and the history. Take a next step. Move forward. Run your race. Isaiah's finished up now. The lap is over. It's all done. He's about to walk away. He turns and he says to you, you know what? One more thing. God has an assignment for you. You see this? You are a central part of God's plan. There is no plan B. You are his plan. You are the one that he has chosen to fill his, pur his purpose in this world. Call on his name today. Have an encounter with God today. Towards the end of the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, Isaiah writes in, in uh, chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. It says, Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness is black as night covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Church, my friends, you might be struggling today, and 
God says, rise up. Let your light shine. The world needs hope, and you got it. You have the hope. You have the light. You have the words. Rise up and be used mightily by your God. He has an assignment for you. He's put his spirit into your heart. He's made a mark on your soul. Don't leave steeped in mediocrity, but rise up today, knowing that God is doing a work in your life, that those around you who know you will say God has done something. Atheists will say, atheists would say to me, you know, I don't believe in God, but clearly whatever has happened in your life is unexplicable, right? You are not the same person that you were. And it all comes down to one thing, that all will know, you will know, your family will know, your friends will know, your coworkers will know that the glory of God has rested upon your life. Stand with me. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just pray that everyone in here today who is running from you in this moment would pause. God, Holy Spirit, just fill them with courage that they would pause, they would hear from you today, and they would turn to you and run to you, and they would begin to have that encounter with you, the one true God. Know today that God is reaching out to you. He has called you to this moment. Run to God. Know that change, wonderful, positive life, bringing change is coming to your life. Today, you choose Jesus. You choose to start a relationship with Jesus. You cry out to God, God, woe am I. You know, I'm just, I got issues. I, I got these sins. And, but you know what? Today I behold you, God. I need you, and I, and I love you, and I want to follow Jesus. Turn to God today. Take that next step today. Today, take that next step and commit to be baptized, immersed in water as a public profession of your faith in God. Today, be committed to serve, to serve with all your heart, soul, and mind, to begin a journey to know God in a great way that you might know and be a participant in, in God's wonderful plan and economy for people's lives that we talked about today. Today, take that step and give generously. Today, take the next step and just say this, I am all in today to my God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Huh? Listen up before I leave you. If that was you talking to God when I talked about turning to Jesus, following Jesus, taking that next step to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Christy talked about the connection card. There's a light gray side. It says, my next steps. Right underneath there, it talks about, I have decided to start a new relationship with Jesus, or I've, I've decided to renew a relationship with Jesus today. If that's you today, that you, you're going to have that encounter today. Your life is going to change today. You want to check off one of those boxes and bring that card out to the guest, guest steps table. They have a package here. Or if you'd rather, you can put it in a black box. But either way, it's another day of lives being changed, and we thank God for what he's doing in people's lives. And I will clap. You just need to clap. You need to clap. You need to know that lives are being changed here. You need to know that. Over 40% of this church are people who did not know God that were lost but are saved, that have come to know him. This is powerful. This is awesome. This is why we're here. This is the tip of the spear. God is a powerful God. God is a good God. God is a great God. And to God be the glory. Have a great day.